relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. We are beginning to wake up from a nightmare to a country we no longer recognize, and from a coup, we never knew. Usually, I hate playing clips of myself. I hate it when other hosts do it. It's weird. It's, it's just something that shouldn't be done. But that's not me. That's me reading somebody else's words earlier this week. And it's a guest that I wish we could have on every single day. I deem him to be the most strategic um, public thinker of, of weight, of consequence in America today. And his latest piece, which is titled The Coup We Never Knew, well, basically I read it on air because it was that important. But now we have him with us. From the Hoover Institution, from Stanford University, the author of a veritable library of works on ancient history, strategy, domestic politics, anything with his name on the spine of the book is worth your time. Professor Victor Davis Hanson, welcome back to America First. Thank you for having me, Seb. Now, I have some big questions to do with the, the so what of your latest piece, which was unusual in terms of style um, because basically it's just a list of questions a list of questions across a complete panoply of topics from natural gas to lack of sovereignty and open borders from the point of view of, of the scribe of the man of letters I'm just curious and this is a peek into the sausage factory if you will what made you write a piece purely positing questions. I mean, it works. I, I read it aloud to my wife on a long car trip. Then I read it to my three million listeners on the radio show. Was there some, some trigger, something that made you said, okay, I'm just going to ask questions for a thousand words? I, I wanted to capture the bewilderment that I had sensed across the country. And it was almost as if no one yet has explained the multiplicity of radical changes in American life or the effect that they've had on people. And the result is sort of a bewilderment. We all in the abstract know how they happen and we all know the effect and the future of their consequences. But the process, I think, is so bewildered. So I wanted to somehow find a rhetorical way of conveying that bewilderment to the reader. I'll, I'll just bookend the article. We're reposting it right now. We posted it on Monday when when uh, I read it. Uh, we're going to repost it on all our media platforms, social media platforms. The full version is, of course, at American Greatness, Chris Boskirk's superb site, The Coup We Never Knew. So the first question is, what happened to the U.S. border? Where did it go? And then uh, the last question, I think maybe one of the most powerful is, how did a virus cancel the Constitution? And then you close the piece after this, this list of very, very uh, important questions with the phrase, we are beginning to wake up from a nightmare to a country we no longer recognize and from a coup we never knew. Now, when I <laughs> was teaching, the, the thing I said to all of my officers on day one is the only question that really matters, whether you're a you know, brain surgeon or, or whether you're a, an 0605 at National Defense University is the so what question. You can learn a lot of things, you can be studious, but what does it all mean in praxis in real life? So here's my question to you. What, what's the next phase of this article? The questions have been asked in their multiplicity. Uh, you've used this very powerful phrase that beca became the, the title for the work, The Coup We Never Knew. Where does this leave us? You, you've put up the rhetorical question. What's this so what that comes next? Are, are you working on a next piece or can I tease yeah, you I think out I here? Am, but I, think, I, I, I think the answer, is, it begs the question or begs the answer, I should say, is what are you going to do about it? Right. What are Americans going to do about it? And the answer is 
most immediately, they need to do three things. They need to increase the margin in the House, they need to take the Senate, and they need to win the presidency. And then they have to get the people in power who will have sort of a revolutionary, revolutionary contract with America and push through uh, border control, uh, energy independence, debt reduction, uh, Jacksonian foreign policy, and uh, probably have some federal oversight of this shocking lack of law enforcement, except and then reform the FBI, the CIA, the DOJ, the IRS, the NIH, the CDC, these bureaucracies that have been weaponized, things like that, and, have a, and hit the ground running. That we, but that requires political power. Then on the other, the cultural and social end of it is people, I think, have already started to disengage. I think people, if you ask them, what was about, what was the Grammy Awards the other night? What about the Oscars? Who, who's going to win the Tonys? They don't know. What do you think of the Super Bowl halftime? I don't watch it anymore. They'll tell you. How about the NBA? I haven't watched it. Are you, are you going to try to get your kids into Stanford? Uh, Harvard? No, I don't think so anymore. I think they'll just be indoctrinated. It's too expensive and they're woke and they don't have a very good curriculum. It's that kind of disengagement. Not all of it's good because we're surrendering these valuable institutions to the left, but uh, there's it's kind of a retreat into a monastery of the mind that we're starting to see with people, culturally and socially, but they have to be engaged politically until we can get back these institutions. But for now, people feel that they're on the they're on the ledger, they're on the negative side, so they don't want to participate in them or have anything to do with them. Well, for all those things to happen, at least in the lower house, we're, we'll talk about the chances. We, we've only we've had less than a week uh, uh, to witness what happens under a new leadership under Kevin McCarthy. But I have to ask you: uh, so many people, even on the right, said this is chaos. Newt Gingrich said, although he walked it back 48 hours later. Why don't they just, you know, basically suck it up and vote for Kevin McCarthy? And then he said, well, democracy is messy. In comparison to other countries where they have a parliamentary tradition like the UK, a little bit of a tussle for four days is no big deal. Can I get your reaction to the election of the speaker? I was asked that by Tucker on Fox News and I think day two when I said I think another 48 hours would be helpful. But after that, it would be counterproductive only because uh, while they were hammering out an agenda and a protocol that was long overdue when it was messy. You looked at the other side and it was almost Stalinist. It was 212 on every single vote. There was not one defection for uh, Jeffries. When they have a defection on Ukraine, uh, they squash it. We're dealing with some of the most disciplined, hardcore cadres on the left. This is not the old messy Democratic Party that was all over the map. These people are hardcore leftists, so when we're trying to deal with them, I, I like the idea that we're, we're getting these issues out in front of the American people, we're arguing over them, but my only point was after three or four days, I think it's time to put on your armor and face these people rather than uh, look vulnerable because they know what they want from us. And they're not kidding around. They don't. They have all control of all the institutions and they have all the money in the country and they're serious about a serious revolution that's that's right in our midst and unless we can get some discipline to to fight it we're going to be we're going to be all over with so i think it was very salutary i'm very happy the way it worked out because they to my way of thinking they got the necessary reforms in and then they stopped the civil war in time uh, to get organized for the investigations to come, et cetera, et cetera. And how, how significant was it, in your opinion, that, that it's clear President Trump stepped in at the end, helped broker the deal, and at 2.18 in the morning on Saturday, Kevin McCarthy on cable TV did a two-minute-long thank you to President Trump. How significant was that act? That was very important for two reasons. One, it reminded people that he still had clout and he was willing to use it for a practical, pragmatic goal. I mean, he doesn't agree with Kevin McCarthy on everything, of course, but he saw that he had reached a point where you needed a Republican House to take charge. And that was good. The other is that 
since the election, Trump has had, had a series of unenforced errors, I guess we could say, when he talked about cha uh, the vote and changing the vote or uh, Ron DeSantis or Mitch McConnell's wife or uh, Youngkin's name. All of these th things were kind of funny, but they were unnecessary, and they hurt him in the polls. So it was time for him to reassert uh, a very sober, careful sign of his leadership. And if he can do that and gain the reins of the party and have an agenda and then talk about his wonderful four years, I think he'll be in, in good shape. But if but he's got to get disciplined, and that was a good first start. We're talking to the Hoover Institution's Professor Victor Davis Hanson. The website is Victor Hanson. I am a subscriber. You should be too. He is on Twitter at VD Hanson. Uh, his books are The Dying Citizen and also The Case for Trump, co-host of the Scholars in Sense podcast with our other regular guest, uh, Conrad Black, Lord Black. Don't forget to subscribe. Go to Spotify, plug in my name, Sebastian Gawker, America First. Never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review. Share the links with your friends because the truth will out and the truth will set you free. Whether it's the regular Hellcat or whether it's the compensated RDP with that miniature red dot, I love them all. How did it take so long to invent a factory compensated subcompact 9mm? Well, guess what? Springfield did it and I'm a huge fan. And I'm Sebastian Gorka. The Hellcat from Springfield Armory is still the smallest, highest capacity micro compact in the world. Available in standard or optics ready configurations, the class leading capacity of the Hellcat gives you 11 plus one with the standard magazine and 13 plus one with the included extended mag. The definitive concealed carry pistol is here. The Hellcat from Springfield Armory gives you the capacity to defend. We'll always put American values over autocracy, benevolence over bigotry, the Constitution over the cult, democracy over demagogues, economic opportunity over extremism, freedom over fascism, governing over gaslighting, hopefulness over hatred, inclusion over isolation, justice over judicial overreach, knowledge over kangaroo courts, liberty over limitation, maturity over Mar-a-Lago, normalcy over negativity, opportunity over obstruction, people enough. over politics. I've heard enough. Stop it. Uh, that is the first speech of, I guess, substance by Hakeem Jeffries, who would have been the speaker uh, if that vote had gone another way. Um, maturity over Mar-a-Lago. Uh, Professor Hansen, number one, the speech was just churlish and sophomoric. Um, hardly indicative of, of a great brain or a great speechwriting uh, team. Uh, please give us your reactions, but also to this question of the monolithic, monolithic voting record for the Speaker's race with nary a dissension. Is that, is that monolithic nature of the Democrats today? Is that really ideological, uh, you know, in Stalinistic uh, step with each other? Or is it a function of fear or a combination of both? combination of both they don't have any they don't tolerate any dissent and remember they're fused with the media so the the architects of this fusion insist on absolute political loyalty and they have ways of punishing it if you wanted dissent from nancy pelosi in the past then you were going to be hit with a twitter barrage a facebook barrage you were going to get your money cut off you might be primary so you weren't going to do it and the same thing from that speech, there will be talking points, and you will hear them on Network News, PBS, NBC, uh, MSNBC, CNN. So they've got a very tightly, they've got a Pravda-like uh, megaphone, and then they've got this ideological straitjacket. But as far as his speech, they were just a bunch of incoherent binaries, and it was kind of like Jesse Jackson back in the 90s, <laughs> kind of a hip thing. But... Um, you know, this is a guy who always talks about election integrity, but on over 70 occasions claimed that the 2016 election, which we know now 
both through the Mueller investigation and some of the inspector general's reports, was not rigged by the Russians, and it was a fair election. And yet he has denied the, the, the results and said that Donald Trump was an illegitimate president, not once, but again and again and again. And, you know, I don't, I don't like guilt by association, but I remember that as a classics professor, I read and I wrote about Professor Jeffries, his uncle. Yes. And he, he was this Afrocentrist professor in New York that, you know, he made up entire mythologies that the Greeks were black or Socrates was black, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, he was very intolerant. And he went after Mary Lefkowitz and other classicists in a very way. So, uh, and he's, and I don't know to the degree that he supports his uncle's views or not, but I never bought into the George Will idea that he was this uh, new generation of moderate politician. He's not. He's a Nancy Pelosi, but younger and more dynamic, probably. So, so here I'd like to test a, a hypothesis of mine uh, on you, Professor. I look at people like that, and I look at that speech. I look at the, um, the Nancy Pelosi as was. I look at Chuck Schumer or, or even Ron Klein in the White House. And one thing that strikes me that whilst these are ideological, while he, these people hate America and, and, and walk in lockstep, I don't see a, a, a brain of significance amongst them. Uh, you know, you, you don't have to agree with Axelrod or like him as a human being, but at least he was moderately intelligent. Would you concur with me that what we have here is is a, a peculiar admixture of, of arrogance, extremism, but also ignorance? There, there's no, yeah, there's no significant brain here. When people run clips of these people, I have a game I play sometimes with my wife. We, John Brennan pops up on the screen and starts lecturing America, and we say, oh, lied two times under oath to the United States Congress. James Clapper butts in as a, as a pundit. Oh, he, he lied under oath about the NSA spying. And then Andrew McCabe will come in and will say, oh, he lied four times under oath. Or there'll be Chuck Schumer, and we say, oh, wow, he got at the doors of the Supreme Court and threatened justices by name and said... They had sowed the wind, the whirlwind was coming, and they will not know what hit them. And, of course, we had people uh, in the months ensuing marching on the private homes of all of conservative justice. In one case, an assassin was found. And it's easy to do that. So all of these people, it's funny. I know it sounds a little bit too corny or complex, but they all practice the art of projection. It's just very, if you just say when you listen to these people, that they are accusing people of doing what they have done or what they would like to do, you'll pretty much be uh, correct. And why, what their venom is right now and why they're so hysterical about the McCarthy fight and the Republican House and is that they are deeply afraid that they feel the Republicans might do what they would do if they had an eight-seat or seven-seat advantage. In other words, they think, wow, if we got in power, we would tell all of these Republicans they can't serve on these committees. We would tear up the State of the Union uh, on national TV, which they did. We would subpoena people and have criminal referrals if they didn't show up. So that's that explains all of the hysteria and anger. They're just terrified that this kind of lackadaisical, sometimes disorganized Republican Party and political class might have the discipline and might have the intent to do what they would surely do. And that's what scares them. Yeah, as my uh, good friend and colleague here at Salem, uh, Dennis Prager says, whatever the left is uh, accusing the right of, they are doing themselves. Uh, Professor Hansen, does, does their lack of mental sophistication or intellect make them potentially even more dangerous? I think so. That's a very famous quote out from Thucydides when he's talking about the civil unrest in the island, of course, Syrah, and he says that the blunter wits won yeah. because they're single-mindedly and they don't have any self-doubt or they don't try to think of counter-arguments. They're just intent. And so somebody who is, I think, a very limited ability, a Chris Swalwell or uh, AOC, because they're just intent and they don't waver and they know exactly what they want, uh, yeah, they make them very dangerous. The blunter wits is a perfect... They, they, they yeah, they can't be appealed to. You can't, you can't argue logic or reason with them. 
Ignorance mixed with certitude, uh, perfectly described as the blunter wits of Thucydides. Uh, dear friends, if you enjoyed the show, make sure you are following us on all social media bar the fascistic YouTube. We are available on Twitter, Truth Social, Facebook, Instagram, Parler, Getter, Clout Hub, Telegram. You can watch us because this is television as well at Salem News Channel, SalemNewsChannel.com. And my personal Substack for exclusive content is SebastianGorka.substack.com. That's one word, Sebastian gawker.substack.com. Likewise, if you are America first, if you are looking for merchandise that is patriotic and America first and made in America, check out our store, sebgorkastore.com. We have our celebration of the president's announcement. MAGA is back, Trump 2024. We have the challenge coin designed by you, our dear listeners. And the hottest seller, sadly, uh, designed jointly with my friend Chris Plant, is the FBI T-shirt, but in this case, it stands for Fascist Bureau of Intimidation. Get yours at SebGorkaStore.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, SebGorkaStore.com. MyPillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, my buddy, the inventor and CEO, wants to give back to my listeners. The Percal bedsheet set is available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they're on sale. For example, the queen size is regularly $89.98, but now for you, just $39.98 with your listener promo. Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percal sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. It's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-829-8468, promo code Gorka, or just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio list square, and plug in G-O-R-K-A. That's 1-800-829-8468, or MyPillow.com, code Gorka. If you enjoy what we provide for you every day here, please support those who make it possible. Great patriots like Mike Lindell. The left wants to crush him. You heard what the FBI did to him recently, ambushing him at a Hardee's drive-thru. Now Walmart have banned his products. Why? Because he's a conservative. Let's support this man and show the left you can't cancel a patriot like Mike Lindell. He sold more than 72 million of his my pillows. President Trump loves them. My whole team uses them. Use my name for up to 66% off. You can call in your order, 800-829-8468, mypillow.com, 800-829-8468, mypillow.com. Promo code for that massive discount is G-O-R-K-A. How significant? Do you see the revelations? We don't have a a smoking gun of, uh, you know, the White House telling Twitter to do something, but the evidence about the FBI, DHS, collusion with Palo Alto. Is this a big deal politically and historically? Yeah, it is. And we wouldn't know any of it if it wasn't for uh, Elon Musk, who will probably take a big hit for this, at least financially, because he he bought a company that was a money-losing company and was overpriced. But he did it apparently because he wanted to expose what was happening in American social media in Silicon Valley. And uh, remember that 1975 Church Committee, that was the heartthrob of the left, and they said that the FBI and the CIA had systematically robbed us of our constitutional rights. But one of the things that people forget was Church uncovered that at that time the CIA was working with news organizations to promulgate, uh, direct, warp the news and suppress news they didn't like. And people right now who are still active, like Carl Bernstein, were writing these Rolling Stone articles about, we've got to support church, we've got to have free expression, you cannot have the government uh, contracting out to private news organizations uh, to evade or get by the First Amendment in their efforts to censor people. That's exactly what's happened with Twitter. And the very people who were on the left as so-called civil libertarians 50 years ago are, are now... I don't know what you call them. They're totalitarian. They, 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 rail, they, they are rail, angry about them. They railed yeah. against the man, and they have become the man. Uh, are, you a, are, are you a fan of the ideas to revivify a, a new church committee? Yeah, I am. I am. And uh, I don't. notice what their left is doing. They're not disagreeing with what happened. They're saying you people are un-American because you want to you destroy these hallowed 
institutions. And what we need to say is we're trying to save them from yourselves because we didn't make Andrew McCabe lie. We didn't make James uh, Comey say 245 times under oath he couldn't remember. We didn't, we're not Kevin Kleinsmith that forged a document. We didn't cut and paste this phony steel dossier to fool a judge. We weren't Robert Mueller who said he had no idea what the dossier or Fusion GPS was. We didn't wipe clean uh, phones under subpoena. We didn't use James Baker to uh, contract out and then to work for Twitter and to suppress free expression. So they have done all of this stuff. And we're trying to save the FBI. And they have destroyed it. And But they're going to call people unpatriotic and say, oh, you conservatives, we thought you were law and order people. Now you're destroying this hollow agency. No, we're trying to liberate it from its Washington hierarchy that uh, betrayed betrayed the agency's trust and traditions. And do you have hopes that the GOP without the Senate and the executive can do something meaningful with a church-like committee for the next two years? Uh, Well, I'm not sure about that because if they're going to have meaningful laws that come out of that, reform laws to reform the agency, they're going to have to be passed by the Senate and that Senate will not pass them. And if they were passed, then Joe Biden would, of course, veto them, and they would not have the votes. Uh, If they didn't pass them, they surely couldn't override the veto. But one thing they can do, and I think that's what they want, they want to express to the American people the urgency of the problem. They want these people to get up and look the America in the eye and swear under oath when asked what they actually did, with the reminder to them that it was the Democrats who really put teeth into subpoenas and said they really matter and we need to start charging people with perjury who don't tell the truth. And we'll see what the, what the, their attitude is now when it's, uh, when it's directed against witnesses that they find sympathetic. But that's, what the, that's their great power, to run this investigation. And they have the majority of the committee so they can call in the witnesses. And uh, I think that's why the, the, the Democrats are sort of terrified. They know what they did, Seb, with the January 6th. They really understood what they did. And they're not guilty about it. They're just worried that they set a precedent that somebody might do to them what they did to the Republican. And, and, and it is a significant thing if we can get the information out. It at is. Least, it's true. At least the American people who are paying attention will know what really happened. His most recent book is The Dying Citizen. Uh, I can recommend all of them. The Second World Wars, uh, The Case for Trump, uh, on and on and on. Um, who Killed Homer is one of my favorites. Uh, but anything with Victor Davis Hansen's name on the cover is worth your time. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First coming to to you from the Relief Factor Studios. If you're in daily pain, if you've tried everything else to find relief, then do what I did more than four years ago. Order their three-week quick starter pack for the Relief pack, uh, relief factor uh, trial pack that actually targets the source of the pain, which is the inflammation. Half a million people are taking Relief Factor every single day, me included. You should be one of those people. Find out if it could work for you. There's only one way, but it's super easy. Call 800-500-8384 or just go to relieffactor.com. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do. And I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee, by the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you like it works for me and 500,000 of your fellow Americans. Call today, 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com relieffactor.com This is a red alert for hardworking Americans who are tired of seeing their freedoms and savings threatened by the globalist agenda. Wealth Protection Research is on a mission to find whistleblowers who are exposing the schemes that threaten your financial security. We're talking about real patriotic financial warriors like Jim Rickards and Porter Stansberry. They're not afraid to tell it like it is, exposing how the system is rigged against you. Text IDEAS to 76626 to find out more. With the 2024 election storming our way, your IRA and your 401k appear to be in the crosshairs. That's why we've compiled our three favorite ideas from Freethinkers. Don't wait for a knock on your door telling you it's too late. Get this critical report. Text IDEAS to 76626. The fight for your financial freedom is on. Text IDEAS to 76626 now for your free report. That's IDEAS to 76626. Standard text and data rates may apply. 
On my TV show on, on Newsmax, I did a monologue on Sunday where I said, look, I've worked in the White House. I've lived in the swamp since 2008. Here's one man's plan for um, defanging the deep state. And I'd just like to run these propositions past you and, and, and get your, your, your take on them. Number one, move U.S. departments and agencies out of Washington, D.C. The permanent bureaucracy does not want to live in South Dakota or Wyoming, and their power uh, would be diminished, and real patriots and Americans would volunteer from those states to work in them. Identify, fire, and charge the worst seditionists in the first 30 days of the administration. Find those who have stolen funds, who have undermined the U.S. Constitution, who have leaked top-secret uh, documents, and charge them, let them be judged by a jury of their peers, to change the culture of those who think they decide how to uh, the country's direction and not the elected chief executive. Number three, which is something I actually recommended to the White House in my first month there, is to have a roving team of policy enforcers who every Friday go to each cabinet member and say, Mr. Secretary, Madam Secretary, what have you done to further the interests of the man elected by the people? And if the wrong answers are provided, uh, the, uh, the teams can report to the president that that cabinet member is, um, how shall I say this, no longer needed. And then lastly, as President Trump declared war from Mar-a-Lago about uh, seven weeks ago, uh, if we had term limits, as he suggested, and a lifetime ban on lobbying for members of the swamp, uh, things would look a lot different. Uh, am I missing anything? Is, is any of this pie in the sky? Uh, we have to have a plan of action to drain the swamp, and I would dearly like to have your, your uh, uh, input. Yeah, these are, I, I agree with all of those. I, I think we need to finish the wall first thing, and we have to have some kind of balanced budget protocol to enforce that. And we've got to immediately start for our foreign policy and energy needs. We need to start producing more natural gas and uh, oil. The, th the thing that Trump found, I think, and some of your recommendations address it, he had three types of employees in high-ranking positions, many of them he inherited. Yeah. We had one, some that were masters of the bureaucracy and using those often in the Pentagon, the FBI, to thwart him, to deliberately ignore executive policies and undermine them. And then he had people, and those were like anonymous. And then there were those who thought that they knew better than Trump. And while he may, may or may not agree, they thought he, what Trump really meant is what they really wanted to do. And then we had a few who, you know, even when they didn't agree with Trump, they'd say, okay, I know the bureaucracy and I will try to use the tools of the bureaucracy to enhance your agenda, but they weren't a minority. And so that really hurt him uh, that he had these people who were leaking and especially when things about the wall, I mean, they were constantly going to court against him. They were, uh, when you had anonymous saying that he was deliberately among many others, even though he wasn't as important as he said he was, but they were actively trying to thwart the president or you had the whistleblower that wasn't even on a phone call and he was being fed the information by Lieutenant Colonel Vindman and all of that stuff, it, it was really hard for Trump to get through it. And so if he is the nominee or whoever's the nominee, they're going to have to face the fact that a, a real conservative will be immediately confronted by this administrative state that will try to destroy him by using these institutions that they know better than anybody yeah. because they've been there for years. Anthony Fauci is a good example. He, he runs $50 billion in research, and, we, and I don't think Trump understood that if you're a scientist or a researcher at Harvard, Stanford, Duke, Texas, Nebraska, wherever you are, and you get on the wrong side of Anthony Fauci, you're never, he's going to shut down your lab. And, and, that, and that was why he got his power. We never should have invested that much power in one person. Yeah, a person who earns twice as much as the incumbent president and who was uh, in his position for 37 years as director of that government institution. Uh, one, and I, Look, I find it very peculiar that people are already uh, anointing the, the next candidate for president. You know, it's got to be Ron DeSantis or it's got to be President Trump and, or it's got to be you know, Yunkin out of Virginia. I want there to be a primary. I think the primary is a very healthy process. However, there's one aspect of, of my former boss, which people seem to miss that I think uh, is important and, and I'd, I'd love to have your reaction. To fix the situation, the level of corruption in this city, 
to have those swinging changes that a president can bring with the executive that he controls. Um, president Trump has one advantage over every other individual in America who could run for office, including DeSantis or Yankin or anybody else. President Trump, per our Constitution, can only serve four more years. He cannot be re-elected if he becomes president, which means he pays no political penalty in terms of re-election if he does what I recommended or does what you recommended. He can, he can slash and burn the administrative state in ways that somebody like a DeSantis or a Yunkin would not do if they wanted to be re-elected. How significant is, is that, that sui generis, truly sui generis uh, nature that he has as a candidate? It's an advantage, and that's why I... But notice that you won't see other candidates uh, say when Trump makes that argument, and he probably will, you won't say the other candidates say, well, I, I take a, an oath that I'm only going to serve four years as well. <laughs> and they won't do that just because they'll say, well, Trump had four years and then he had four years, so he wants eight. Right. Because they understand the way our system is that the moment you come in and you aren't going to run again, then the state and the news media and everybody feel that they can wait you out, so to speak, right. and that you're a lame duck from the first day. So Trump's going to have to use that in the way that you say as an advantage rather than a disadvantage. And I think he can by saying that he's not going to be, he's not worried about who he offends. And to do the right thing, he's going to have to offend a lot of people. And he doesn't want any job lobbying position. He doesn't want any recompense from a corporation afterwards. He's not a revolving door person. His children are not going to be lobbyists. All of that stuff would be, if he says that explicitly, I think it really help him because people are really tired of whether it's the Biden family consortium or all of these retired generals that have been so vocal and, and so moralistic and yet we find they're, they're on Raytheon and General Dynamics and Lockheed and Northrop the moment they leave these high positions in the Pentagon. And that, that's what people don't like. It's a very good metric uh, to do the right thing. The next president will have to annoy a lot of people. We're talking to Professor Victor Davis Hansen, Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution. Follow him on Twitter at VD Hansen. Uh, please subscribe on his website, victorhansen.com. Listen to his podcast and check out his works most recently, The Dying Citizen and The Case for Trump. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First, coming to you from the relieffactor.com studios. Relief Factor, pain relief that works, pain relief that's real, pain relief that is liberating. Half a million Americans right now, me included. You deserve to find out. If you could be the next success story, there's only one way, but it's super easy. Go to relieffactor.com, order the three-week quick starter pack. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do, and I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee, by the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you like it works for me and 500,000 of your fellow Americans. Don't wait any longer. What have you got to lose? Well... Nothing except for the pain. Call today, 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. That number again, 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Do you have any thoughts as to, A, why it is that conservatives, the billionaires uh, on the right, haven't invested in culture and allowed the left to capture all of it, bar a talk radio. Well, I think part of the problem is that the left has taken institutions that conservatives help build, if not build entirely. And they have, kind of like a virus, substituted the DNA. So there was a time when the New York Times was the paper of record. There was a times when everybody loved NPR and PBS 40 or 50 years ago. There was a time when Stanford, Yale, and Harvard were, they did a lot of very important research for World War II. And I could go on uh, with the corporate boardroom. Disney's a good example, uh, United Airlines. But what's happened, the left has come in and taken over those institutions and claimed them as their own and used them as agents. So the conservatives say, well, we have to build alternate institutions, but we're going to have to go from the ground up. They've got trillions of dollars in labor and capital that they just they just hijacked, and 
so are we going to go fight for Harvard University? Are we going to fight for the Washington Post? Are we going to try to do what they tried to do with CNN and get a new CEO or what Elon Musk did with Twitter? Elon Musk basically said, I mean, he had for $44 million, he could have made it something like True Social. But he knew the brand was so well and it was established, he, he was going to take it back. And so there's these two different strategies. But I think a lot of very wealthy people say, well, I'm willing to give a million or two a year, but my God, Harvard's got $60 billion in endowment. And Disney Corporation is, you know, a multi, multi hundred billion dollar corporation. And so they don't know how, they're, they're kind of baffled how they would start from scratch. Uh, so, and I don't know the answer either, but I don't want to cede these institutions over to these people who have grabbed them. They're not theirs. And there has to be a way. I mean, I think we have a two-pronged approach. We can build more Hillsdales and model it after a Hillsdale college and encourage that. And But we also shouldn't give up on, you know, there's no reason that University of California, Berkeley or Princeton University has to be an agent of the left. Yeah. Does that force us to have to come up with a, a new strategy to protect America? Yeah, I think I think it does. I think the American people looked at politics, the yin and yang, that the Republicans were for law and order and they were for structure and tradition and customs and the left was for reform and innovation politically and experimentation and they this tension they sort of liked and each side kept the other honest. But when you get the left getting into the Pentagon and the, the media left and getting into the FBI and the CIA, there is, it, it's very hard for conservatives to criticize those, those institutions because traditionally they had supported them. When the left takes control and given the media is the left, there is no watchdog. There's no guardian to watch the guardians. And these people are hardcore Jacobin neo-socialists, or maybe worse. And they're, they're very regimented and disciplined. You've been listening to America First with me, Sebastian Gorka. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, keep your head on a swivel, watch your six, hold the line, never give up, never give in, and stay frosty. upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. The world will little note or long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. What your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I can hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people... And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. And we will make America great again. is America First with Sebastian Gorka. I think we have enough for a guilty plea in just what we've heard in the last, you know, 45 minutes. We had the attorney general come out indictment style and say he had these documents in two locations that were unauthorized. And then we had the president's representatives come out and say that they were inadvertently misplaced, which is not a defense under the Espionage Act. So I think, you know, there's a lot to be done here. Facts are still unfolding. Lots of things we don't know. But we already know enough on the basis of what they put on the record to say that there's significant criminal potential vulnerability here. What on earth is Andy McCarthy talking about? We used to like Andy a lot. He went a little bit uh, TDS, Trump derangement syndrome, but... He's still a good guy when it comes to legal analysis. Greetings, dear friends. Welcome to the Gorka Reality Check. Do you know what he's talking about? Because it sure ain't about Mar-a-Lago. 
It's not about President Trump. You, you may just be tuning in now. Maybe you've been, you know, working all day and you're not a crazy media hound like we are here at America First. So here's the update, because you won't believe it. We found out a few days ago what? That in the empty offices of the Biden Penn University think tank in D.C., in a closet, all of which is illegal, right, were found top-secret SCI documents dating back to Biden's time as vice president. That's outside of nuclear secrets, Q-clearance, the highest level of clearance. Top-secret, special compartmented information. Documents to do with Ukraine, Iran, and the United Kingdom. And then we found out that's just part of the story. Other documents, other classified documents were found where? In Biden's garage. Yeah. And he admitted it. He said, I don't worry because they're locked up with my Corvette. That famous, famous defense. You don't believe me, do you? I don't blame you. Let's listen to him. This is cut to Joe Biden. President, Mr. President, classified, classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a lock garage. Okay, so it's not like you're sitting out in the street. But anyway, yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, But as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. By the way, the classified documents were in my garage where I lock up my Corvette. He actually said that today. You could hear Steve Ducey's incredulity asking the question. How many more documents are we going to find? Oh, and by the way, here's the point that Andy McCarthy was making. Two, two crucial points. Just bear with me, because this, this makes the whole Mar-a-Lago thing collapse. You're not allowed to have classified documents outside of a secure facility that has been certified as a secure facility. You have to have a place to store them that is up to U.S. code when it comes to classified materials. You can't have discussions of a classified nature outside of a skiff, which is a special compartmented room that can't have electronic devices inside it. You can't take in a cell phone that can broadcast. These are the regulations for the handling of these materials. The empty office in D.C. connected to Penn University, which, by the way, received $42 million of anonymous donations from China, is not a skiff. The closet is not an authorized, classified document container, number one. That's a crime. And now we find he has them in his garage where he keeps what? The old tins of paint and the stepladder? Also a crime. And the second part of what McCarthy said is key, which applied to Hillary Clinton with her emails and applies to Joe Biden. Ignorance or accident mishandling is irrelevant. The Espionage Act is unusual amongst U.S. code because it says... Motive is irrelevant. Usually in a crime, motive matters. If you knock somebody over with your car because it's late at night, it's raining, and they run out in front of you, that's not murder. If you follow your ex-wife with your car and decide to run them down because you hate her, that is murder. Motive matters. In the Espionage Act, it is clear. If you miss handle classified information. It doesn't matter 
whether you're giving it to the Russians, the Chinese, or whether you accidentally left it in your briefcase and you walked out of the, ha- out of the skiff and then dropped it on the street as you were pulling out your newspaper. Both of those are felonies. Intent is irrelevant. So Andy's right. I think we, you know, Biden should be confessing and pleading guilty. Will he? Of course not. But the question is, why now? And why one after another are these things being dropped? Let's listen to cut two again, because this is not a man spinning a narrative. This is not a man in control of what is happening to him. And this is the man who bears the title President of the United States. President, Mr. President, okay. classified, classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay, so it's not like you're sitting out in the street. So the but at any rate, yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, but as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. The Department of Justice has just confirmed a third document discovery, and that meat puppet disgrace to the Office of the Attorney General is announcing a special counsel to investigate these documents. Are they throwing Joe Biden under the bus? Is this some personal revenge with somebody who has animus and an axe to grind? We're going to discuss that with our special guest today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be talking to Greg Jarrett, Kurt Schlichter, Natalie Winters on the amazing Chinese communist connections to Penn University and the Biden think tank. And our third hour, wow, Victor Davis Hansen for the whole hour. You mustn't miss a second. How do you do that? Make sure that you are subscribed to America First. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Go to Spotify. Plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka. America First. It's free. Leave a five-star review. Share the links with your friends. And when you've done that, go to our website for everything America First. If you're America First, prove it. Wear these items with pride. The FBI t-shirt is the hottest-selling one. FBI, Fascist Bureau of Intimidation. The challenge coin you demanded. You help design with President Trump, America First, and Stay Frosty. We have our LGBT t-shirts, third hottest selling item last year, because we're all LGBTQ here. Well, yeah, let's get Biden to quit. Go today, SebGorkaStore.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A store.com, SebGorkaStore.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.